Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Today on Truth and Movies, Glenn Close stars alongside Jonathan Price in The Wife. Joe, please don't thank me in your speech. What? I don't want to be thought of as the long-suffering wife. Heaven is a halfpipe for a gang of young female skateboarders in Skate Kitchen. And this week, Film Club is a Glenn Close special. We're looking back at her star-making, bunny-boiling turn in the 1980s erotic thriller Fatal Attraction. I was wondering why is it that all the interesting guys are always married? Well, maybe that's why you find them interesting, the fact you can't have them. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yeah, yes, Truth and Movies. It's Michael Leader here in the host chair, sitting across from Hannah Woodhead from Little White Lies. Hi. And Manuela Lazic. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to the country. You've both recently been abroad at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, can I trouble you for a couple of highlights? Hannah, do you want to go first? Highlights. My oh. chief highlight is High Life. Ah, Claire Denis. Uh, Claire Denis' new film starring our Pats and, and Juliette Binoche. It's magnificent. It's really good. That's all I'm going to say. You'll be hearing a lot about that in the coming months, I'm sure. And then uh, mid-90s, which is Jonah Hill's directorial debut and the new Alex Ross Perry joint Her Smell which is really good as well I can't wait to see that one so good uh, Manny uh, I also really loved High Life I recommend you don't read too much about it because I mean anyway nothing can really prepare for you for it <laughs> I also really loved uh, If Beale Street Could Talk the new Barry Jenkins movie mm. it's incredibly moving I mean that's kind of what you expect from him but it's just so beautiful and uh, I also really loved uh, the movie The Kindergarten Teacher uh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is a remake. But it's set in Manhattan and it's about this uh, kindergarten teacher who, in the name of art, makes some troublesome decisions. Mm-hmm. It's ah, great. She's intriguing. so incredible in it. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm sure those films will trickle out over the coming months, maybe some uh, London some, Film Festival. Yeah. Kindergarten Teacher is definitely a London Film Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's a really good film. So good. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. But back to this week, we have a packed... Glenn Close filled week to get through. (laughs) Up first is The Wife. So in The Wife, Glenn Close and Jonathan Price are Joan and Joe Castleman, who are flown off to Sweden when Joe is awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Joan accompanies Joe, performing her invisible duties as the wife of a great man of art, but the trip makes her reflect on her identity, her role in their marriage, and also the lifetime's worth of compromises that have led to her being simply the wife. Here's a clip. It's not easy being your son, Joe. Oh, come on. It's not easy being anyone's son. You could act a little prouder of him. Well, he could work a little harder. We wouldn't be doing the kid any favor telling him he's brilliant. I think he has talent. Yeah, well, you should tell him. Doesn't mean anything coming from me. He has to hear it from you. You shouldn't need my approval to write. Everyone needs approval, Joe. 
Yeah. Joe, please don't thank me in your speech. What? I don't want to be thought of as the long-suffering wife. You understand that, don't you? No, 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 no. I have to thank you. Everyone thanks their wife. No, it'll be quick, Joni. You know, one sentence, it'll be painless. So that was a clip from the wife there. So, Hannah, do you want to set this one up for us? Uh, what's it about? It's about the wife, I presume. Yeah, it's a very sort of Ron Seal does what it says on the tin uh, name. Mm-hmm. It's based on a novel by uh, Meg Wallitzer, and it's about the titular wife. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, there's an old adage, uh, behind every great man there's a, uh, an even greater woman, and this is kind of like that come to life. Mm-hmm. Um Glenn Close plays the sort of long-suffering wife of this man who's published many great novels and in the film's opening they kind of receive the word that he's going to win the Nobel Prize for Literature and this one had kind of like flown under the radar for me. I didn't Mm. really know much about it. I think it was at TIFF last year maybe? Yes, it was, yeah. 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 And um, I went to see it, kind of not know anything about it and then I just fell in love with it. It's such a kind of um, quiet but very like smart and powerful and an incredibly sad film. Mm. It's, you know, it's about how women have historically kind of been eroded, I guess, in history. And it, it reminded me a bit of uh, Colette, which is another film that's coming out Keira Knightley. In, the, in yeah. the coming months about a great woman who was kind of like... Um, was a writer as well. Was a writer mm. and it was kind of like the woman who was doing all the hard work behind the man who got all the credit for it. Mm. And um, it's just it's just really good. Uh-huh. I mean, Glenn Close is the absolute kind of like, she gives this, the, the definition of the word powerhouse performance. Right. Mm. In this, she's she's really magnificent. And How so? Because Glenn Close is such a specific sort of star, isn't she? And is, yeah. is unlike any other, she's quite unique. So how what, what is she doing in this film? I think a lot of people associate her with these kind of big, like, bombastic Mm. performances, you know, like in uh, Fatal Attraction, which we'll be talking about later. But in kind of her later roles, um, I'm thinking of, like, Albert Nobbs and then in The Wife, she's very, like, very subtle. Like, Mm. she's very... This sort of, like, refined facade hiding this kind of, like, Mm. deep inner anguish. And it comes out and she has these great scenes with Christian Slater, who plays this really sort of, like, seedy journalist Mm -hmm. who's trying to, like, get the inside scoop on their marriage. And she kind of goes for uh, drinks with him and you kind of learn more about her character, which is that she's... She knows exactly what she's been doing for Mm. the past, like, 40 years or whatever. She's not some weak woman who Mm. has been overpowered by this like man she she kind of has done everything out of self-preservation mm-hmm. and it was also like conscious decisions exactly yeah she's very much in power but as she's kind of coming um to this like this great honor being bestowed upon them she's realizing that maybe the decisions she's made she doesn't agree with now Mm. I, I don't know. It, mm. I, I it's, just, it's, yeah. it's a tricky thing to dance around. It's, it's a film that does reveal as it goes yeah. on in yeah. a way that may yeah. touch into spoiler territory. Mm. But of course, we, we learn more about their relationship through flashbacks, where actually the young Joan is played by uh, Glenn Close's actual daughter, which is mm. an which interesting. Is really good. She's, yeah, she's, she's very yeah, she's I've seen him before. Manu, was this a, a sort of powerhouse, understated yeah. film? For I you? think it's so wonderful. Like I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it months ago, and. Um, 
I wrote the review for Little White Lies for it, so I saw it a long time ago. And um, I think, like you were saying, what makes gun clothes so good these days, especially, but I think even in Dangerous Liaisons, you know, mm. back in the day, it's her ability to play duplicity so well. Like she can, you know, she has a line in Dangerous Liaisons where she said that uh, when, since she was a teen in the French court, she learned to smile while underneath the table she was planting a fork in the, at the back of her hand. You know, she has this ability to you know, be kind of unreadable, but at the same time, you can read something in that unreadability, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, she's, like, very complex, and she's really good at playing characters that have a real depth to them. So I think that's why this it's really hard to talk about the plot of this movie, because, yeah, it's all about, like, this slow reveal, but also it's because it's a slow reveal to herself, because mm-hmm. all these years she's been telling herself that that's what she wanted. And now, to backtrack now, would be catastrophic, because... Mm-hmm. All these years, she she was fine with how she was living her life. And at this late age, when at this particular moment for her husband and for her, her kid as well, they have this uh, son, played by Max Irons, who's Jamie Irons' son. Yeah. Um, he's fine. Um, <laughs> like, he's very, he's got a lot of resentment for his parents and especially for his dad. Like, uh, to come and change her mind now would be massive. So it's a very complex movie. And the, the scenes with Christian Slater are amazing just to see like great actors acting together. That never happens anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know she was in Guardians of the Galaxy with some other great actors, but I mean they're not like they're not having deep conversations mm-hmm. about yeah. you know, legacy and so stuff. many good scenes with just her and Jonathan Price. Yeah, as yeah. well. He's really great in it. I mean, he's in Game of Thrones nowadays, isn't he? That's he is, primarily yeah. what he may be known for for oh. like for younger yeah. viewers. But of course, Brazil and mm. Tomorrow Never Dies. Wow, and, all and sorts. Uh, Don Quixote is his other big upcoming. film <laughs> upcoming. Yeah. But this is yeah, is this it is... upcoming now? Do we well, know? it's going to be at London Film Festival. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So That's I guess out. it's happening exactly. Um, and the director Bjorn Runger knows not to really get in the way of these performances. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it, but there are still these little subtle flourishes in these early scenes. But you're talking about the work she has to do the, the, the erasure, the erosion of mm. the performance of the wife where Jonathan Price's character Joe, Joe and so Joan Joe, and Joan. <laughs> uh, Joe is at the centre of the frame, everyone's crowding around him to congratulate him for this great honour or he's giving a speech or he's talking to various luminaries and the camera just slowly pans and focuses mm-hmm. in on her perspective in this space, silent, people yeah. forget her name, people don't really You must be you the know. wife, you exactly. must be the wife, just mm. over and over again. Yeah. But then and they're we, like, you must be so proud and she's like <laughs> exactly. <Yep. laughs> but then there is that that strength and backbone behind the, mm-hmm. the, the almost inscrutability of the, of, of the mm. face. Yeah. We heard her say, "I'm not a victim. I'm far more interesting than that." And yeah. it's this slow reveal of who who is there behind. So good. And um, like they love each other very much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot of other stories kind of you know position a relationship like this as being a kind of like a power struggle where yeah. the man has all the power. But in this like. Um, Joan and Joe, they genuinely have lived a very happy life together Mm. and they do love each other. And I think that makes it more interesting and more difficult to realise that this person that you've been in love with and are in love with, uh, you you kind of have taken very different things away from these Mm. 40 years of marriage together. It's really painful, this movie, in some ways, but also very, very rewarding. Like, yeah. Painful but rewarding. (laughs) Yeah. Should we put some... Like the best movies. Like the best movies. Should we put some (laughs) scores on this? Uh, Hannah, I'll come to you first. So this is In Anticipation, Enjoyment in Retrospect? Yeah, um, maybe a three in Anticipation, just because I I thought it looked a bit dry, but I didn't really know much about it. But then four and four, it's I think it really is the best of sort of Glenn Close here. And 
yeah, like like, like when I said, like, I can't really stop thinking about it. It's, it's a, a really incredible film that I think people should make a conscious effort to go and watch. Mm-hmm. Manuela? Uh, I think same. Anticipation, I would say maybe for anticipation because it's a Glenn Close leading role. Mm-hmm. So I was quite curious about it. Um, and then, yeah, four and four for enjoyment and uh, in retrospect, because I think it's, yeah, I think about it. I think it's going to be key in her career as mm-hmm. well, in Glenn Close's career, because she needs roles like this. Like, I can't believe how few she's got since the 80s, 90s, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think it's great, and she looks beautiful as well. By the way, I say the production design of this film is really nice. Like, yeah, um, we have um, Glasgow doubling for Stockholm, which I would <laughs> never, never would have called that. Um, it's set in winter, and it just looks really nice. There's lots of shots of them kind of like in really nice hotels and mm. the, in this like dingy bar where she's drinking with Christian Slater, and it just it just looks really nice. It's kind of a you inhabit the the film, like you feel oh, you're yeah. there right with them. I really mm-hmm. wanted to be in that bar with Christian Slater, talking oh. about stuff. <laughs> you know, he was Love surprisingly him. good in this, in his little, so little sort of cameo he's, role. He again, doesn't get he many doesn't, roles he anymore, doesn't does he? doesn't get many, like, exactly. roles for him to do his kind of, like, sleazy, like, you he know, has, like, like a leather jacket or something. Like, yeah. He's oh. so cool. It reminded me of him in um, Interview with a Vampire. Oh, like, yeah. very similar role, I guess, yeah, as the interviewer. True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so not to make everything about awards, but do you think this could be a Glenn Close chance at I awards? I sure hope so. She's been nominated six times. Without winning, correct? She's never won. Yeah. She's like the oldest actress still living who doesn't have... Uh, who's been nominated without winning, I think, something like wow, that. She's right. like insane. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And of all the people who have been nominated, if anyone needs deserves one, it's her. Yeah. So it's I funny really hope so. We talked about Moonstruck um, yeah, last that's time. True. I mean, I like, did this podcast <laughs> together and... Uh, we're doing Fatal Attraction this week, which was the film she I lost know. out on. And, she yeah, lost out to Cher for the, the Oscar com- competition yeah. that year. We'll get to that. Yeah. Talking about Fatal Attraction <laughs> so shortly. I can't be too mad at uh, Cher. It's fine. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> but this year, no Cher in the awards race. Exactly. As far as we know, I no. mean, maybe Mamma Mia. maybe Mamma Mia will <laughs> sweep <laughs> in. But <laughs> we shall see. But we'll talk about Glenn Close more shortly. Up next, though, we're going to talk about Skate Kitchen. So Skate Kitchen, this is the debut feature from director Crystal Moselle, and it follows teenage skater Camille as she ventures into New York's skateboarding community and befriends an all-girl skater crew. While it's a fictional feature, the girls are real skaters, and the incidents in the film are largely taken from real life, as develops in collaboration between the girls and Marcel, the director. So Manuela, this film was, a, was something of a hit at Sundance. Crystal Moselle made a film called The Wolfpack, a documentary a few years ago. Did you have any sense of this before seeing the film? Or were you excited? Mm, I had heard that it was great, so mm-hmm. I was excited to see it, and and, um, and also I saw mid-90s at TIFF, which is another skating movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I guess skating is cool again. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I watched it. I really, really liked it. Um, I really liked how it started. And like I liked the first part more than the second because I think it gets a bit samey at the end. But mm-hmm. um, it's really a beautiful coming-of-age movie about a girl called uh, Camille. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's through skating because it's also a lot about what it's like to become a woman. And skating, still nowadays, apparently, I mean, I'm not an expert, but apparently in the movie, it shows that it's still quite a boyish thing. Mm-hmm. It's quite for boys. And uh, in an early scene, uh, skating proves like quite dangerous when you're a woman. You know, it's quite mm-hmm. scary because there are risks for, you know, your body. And I think that movie is very aware of bodies in a way that's mm. really interesting and uh it's not like you can miss it when you watch it, but it seems so like, oh, coming of age standard, but it's actually very 
like experiential in a way. So the, the girl Camille, she's um, she's she's quite troubled. She's quite lonely, and she ends up uh, managing to fit into this group of uh, skaters called the Skate Kitchen by following them on Instagram and like showing up one day and they're like, I follow your Instagram. So that's very true to life, my life. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's really beautiful and it's not, it's not too sentimental. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's quite raw and it's also very cinematic because I think skating is super cinematic. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of like people being on dolly, you know, like themselves. So mm -hmm. it's like very fluid and makes for beautiful images. It's set in New York and um, yeah, it feels very grounded and then it becomes a kind of a love story and it becomes a bit more boring but Jaden Smith is there so <laughs> if you're into that halfway through, isn't he? so it's, it's mainly yeah. uh, non-professional actors or these real skaters yeah. who are acting for the first time and then halfway through a new boy on the block turns yeah, up and it's Jaden Smith, Jaden Smith with red hair and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's, I think he's, he's fine. pretty good he's fine. probably his best yeah. on-screen performance to date not <laughs> yeah. saying much and he skates well yeah, he does so. Hannah, Hannah so it's a very sort of open-ended almost plot light yeah, yeah. movie uh, what sort of things do we see here in this film in terms of these details these it's an exploration of female friendship on, on one level right yeah it is i think it's more of a kind of series of scenes more mm. than a kind of like following a trajectory and mm. we see uh, camille kind of she has like a, a bit of a difficult relationship with her mother at home who really doesn't approve of her skating and she's kind of injured in the beginning and her mother's like, no more skating for you. And uh, It's a specific sort of injury they call credit carding. It, yeah. Oh, just, oh, just, uh, yeah. Any, any woman watching it is just like, oh. Like so Oof. she's like banned from skating by her mother and it's, it's that kind of like flash dance, like, no, you will not, you will not do <laughs> yeah. this. Like, um, but obviously, you know, her love of skating is too strong and she goes back to doing it. And it's kind of difficult for me to talk about this and not talk about mid-90s because okay, they yeah. are very kind of like the two stories from opposite ends of the tracks, really. But it's, yeah, it's a really kind of nice way of portraying female friendship without it being kind of that cloying, like mean girlsy, mm -hmm. uh, everything pink and like short skirts. It's a very like nuanced mm -hmm. and honest depiction of friendship and the kind of like the way women talk to each other there's a scene where they're kind of like hanging out at um, one of their houses and just talking about their vaginas and I was like yep. yes it's nice <laughs> it's nice to see a film where it's kind of not it's, like Manny said it's not afraid to talk about bodies and yeah. um, it doesn't kind of shy away from that I think a lot of particularly male directors but sometimes female directors are afraid to discuss like women's sexuality mm. and the way women talk to each other when there aren't cameras watching. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's a bit long. It's an hour and 45 minutes and it probably could have just been 90 minutes, mm -hmm. like a, a tight 90 minutes, because it does kind of get a bit like the romance for me. I was like, oh, I don't really care. Well, yeah. to, to mention the romance, <laughs> it, you, know, you talk about all these, these scenes between the girls as being so re revelatory and, mm. and unique and then it almost becomes a bit more rote when mm. it is yeah. a boy who has history of one of the girls comes on the scene and then mm. tears yeah, them apart exactly. in a way. Exactly. It's, it's where suddenly it feels almost the hand of the plot uh, so it yeah. upsets things a bit too yeah. much. Yeah. When and it just doesn't need it. It really mm. just doesn't need it because I think the girls themselves are so kind of like compelling to watch they're kind of very charismatic presences within themselves mm -hmm. and the skating scenes are so good mm. we don't we're not really crying out to see a romance mm. it just, just doesn't need it I think the only way the romance is interesting is because it kind of seems like Camille the girl doesn't to me it seemed that she was like oh I'm supposed to have a romance now mm. you know it's kind of like she's like I'm a girl and girls do this right that's and true yeah. yeah so that was interesting but then that drags a bit 
for me, this film really comes alive in these almost dialogue-free moments of skating mm. around New York, and it's a very modern, specifically up to the moment, New York, where it's amazing to think that these kids can even exist in Manhattan mm. with gentrification and so on, but they do take it back in their own ways. There's a beautiful sequence where they kind of climb up a fire escape on top of a building and in the view of the Empire State Building, mm. and um, that you know they're trying to pop an ollie or whatever it is, or a, a <laughs> kickflip, whatever these things are, with the Empire State Building in the background, and it's just yeah. This way that skateboarding is a liberating mode of transport where you can go yeah. and take the city back or make the city your own. Yeah, it's a um, good snapshot of the city as mm-hmm. it is now as well. Like, yeah. that's yeah. quite nice to see. And you talk about female friendships and the way women talk to each other, but there are other access points into this movie that you know, they do get high a lot, they get very high <laughs> yeah. and have the sort of very baked conversations you'd expect from a Richard Linklater movie, even. Mm. They're talking about whether the Monopoly man still has his monocle, uh, oh, they're yeah. talking about which famous figure through history would you want to get high with yeah. and it's there's something very authentic to all those scenes yeah. and Crystal Marcel the director she found a couple of these skaters just on the subway or on the train one day and went over to talk to them and developed a friendship and mm-hmm. got to know them over a year and they shared stories and you know this yeah. came out of that it's an interesting I think not fully successful mix of documentary and fiction. Mm, yeah, with... and it's good. It's not like exploitative of them, mm-hmm. and it clearly that's proof that she collaborated with them, and that's quite nice because because um, they, they are quite interesting women because they're very young. I don't quite know exactly, but like Camille is eighteen, but I think the others maybe a tiny bit older. I think the actors are between twenty and twenty-five, but right, they're all playing right. eighteen or around there. Right, because yeah. they're really young, but like they dress so amazingly, <laughs> but also quite like not provocatively but like quite you know not much mm-hmm. and they're so confident like it's it's yeah. really striking they were over for the Sundance London Festival and they DJed one night and they're like that all the time mm-hmm. like they're cool they're so cool <laughs> and they're so confident and they really work in the pack and to film them and not make that like uh, the focus but still celebrating it I think it's really mm-hmm. it's really quite well done I think it's nice to see a film about I mean, these aren't even millennials. These are kind of Gen I don't know. Gen Z, I guess. <laughs> On their way towards, yeah. Yeah, just young people in general that doesn't kind of talk down to them and be like, kind of like, hey, kids. It does, <laughs> it, you know, like it, it is truly a kind of like just a representation and a really a nice one. It's, it, it's a nice film. It's, yeah. you know, it's it doesn't feel trite. It doesn't kind of make any sweeping statements about the state of youth today mm. it's just a picture of what it's like and yeah. and that i think is something we need more of i hope young people go see it because i think it may be quite inspiring mm-hmm. when you're that age you know to see cool people doing cool things yeah. who are your age and it is like, a 15 yeah. though and this oh. is increasingly a problem oh, wow, with these teen movies where they may i think it's because of drugs eighth grade as well yeah, yeah. where there are these teen movies being made with a sense of authenticity and not hiding from it's drugs so, and drink and it's so, so on. paradoxical yeah like the reason why they're so good is because they're so realistic but then the people that like this is their life they can't see it that's, mm-hmm. that's terrible but should they go and see it so let's put some oh, scores yeah. on this so Manuela you go first Anticipation, I, I don't know. I, I had no idea what it was. Uh, three, I mm-hmm. guess. Enjoyment, four. And in retrospect, I would say three and a half, four, mm-hmm. maybe, because, yeah, it drags a bit at the end, but it's still really good, and I I would recommend it, definitely. Hannah, would you recommend it? Yeah, I think I... Um, a couple of my friends are, like, big supporters of this movie and have been since it was at Sundance London, so I was kind of like a four in anticipation, then the four probably enjoyment and 
maybe like a three yeah like like Emmanuel, like a three and a half four mm-hmm. and what i'm most excited about is to see kind of what uh crystal Moselle does next mm-hmm. i think she's made the wolf pack's really good and this is good as well so i think she's kind of finding her feet as a filmmaker and uh, she'll do great things and are we all yeah. taking up skateboarding now you know i genuinely <laughs> really want to my biggest fear is in london kids can be very cruel and i don't want to be like skating near <laughs> my house and get ridiculed by some children i think i'm too old for this <laughs> <laughs> you're younger than me <laughs> yeah i know you're both younger than me i feel very old watching this movie but that was skate kitchen in cinemas this weekend up next we're going for film club Continuing our Glenn Close theme with Fatal Attraction. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was running wiser than all the interesting guys you're always married. Well, maybe that's why you find them interesting, the fact you can't have them. How long have you been married? Nine years. Do you have any kids? Mm-hmm. Got a six-year-old girl. Sounds good. So what are you doing here? Well, what we're doing here is talking about Fatal Attraction, (laughs) a provocative sensation in its day, starring Michael Douglas as the lawyer who is swept up into a passionate affair with Alex Forrest, played by Glenn Close, an affair with potentially dangerous consequences. The film made over $150 million at the American box office, almost double that internationally. It was the (laughs) second highest grossing film of the year. But how does it hold up today? We got an email from Kevin Gavin, which says, I first watched Fatal Attraction as a 15-year-old and can honestly say it helped ingrain a code of fidelity in me <laughs> from my dating years and onward into matrimony. I'm sure it helped others too. Looking back on the film, as mature adults, I have far more understanding for Alex's character and don't see her as a one-dimensional psychopath. This is a key question, isn't it? How has this 
mm-hmm. aged in the years since. You know, Alex Forrest at the time, certainly in the final scenes, something of a knife-wielding slasher psychopath. Mm-hmm. How has that aged today, Manuel? Uh, actually, just to go back to what Kevin said, Glenn Close has said many times that still today, men still come up to her in the street and say, thank you for saving my marriage, because <laughs> she made, uh, you know unfaithfulness looks so deadly mm-hmm. and she's like great thanks but it, I think it's a very complex movie I think in some ways it's weird to say does it hold up because I think it was always problematic and confusing <laughs> and paradoxical I think it's kind of all over the place but that's what makes it so iconic and so I think in a way like powerful and a good movie because mm-hmm. I don't like movies that are so simple that you can figure out exactly what they want to say immediately that's mm-hmm. boring I think at the same time, Alex Forrest is a dangerous psychopath and she's like the like evil feminist. But at the same time, Dan, the character played by Michael Douglas, is like the worst man, weak man, <laughs> like useless, who has no guts whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. There's something for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, how does this hold up for you? Um, well, this was actually the first time I'd watched it. It's one of those movies that's kind of so ingrained in pop culture. You kind of... I basically knew exactly what was going to happen mm-hmm. as soon as you know before I went into it and there's a great moment right at the start of the movie where Glenn Close is talking to Michael Douglas and he's saying I can't come over I've got the dog and she mm-hmm. goes I love animals and I'm a great cook and I was like <laughs> hey. I was like hey I know what's coming um, but we had a, a tweet from um, Samuel Mesterson which said um, we were just kind of wasn't this movie a reaction to the feminist movement of the 80s and kind of a kickback saying like no women are dangerous and um <laughs> yeah it's it's fairly harsh to the sort of uh, career power woman mm. uh, suggesting that when we kind of first hear she's like very much like i take what i want and then it's like oh but she's actually just crazy mm. and um she's desperate she's yeah and i think it's a real credit to going close that i felt as kind of sorry for her in this movie as i did <laughs> i think a lesser actress would not have kind of given as much to the role as she does i think yeah. she does kind of strike a balance between full-on psychopath and very sort of sad, desperate, and mm. a woman who just kind of wants to be loved and is looking for it in, in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is a thread through the film. As you, as you say, my mother, it is, it is complex and complicated, but the main thread is almost this is a man's fantasy that mm. the, the wife and kid is away for the weekend and the sexy colleague comes on to you so clearly that you know that you know you're not going to mm. overstep any boundaries and then it turns into a man's nightmare in terms of you know mm. to begin with with potential blackmail but then also yeah. actual this crazy woman that you've just had sex with coming yeah. into your life forcibly and violently mm. <laughs> but um i'd like to know so what is glenn close doing here she's in the years since she looks back at the, the, the they changed the ending yes and she's not happy with the change it's not sat well mm. with her because she was always looking for the sympathy the sympathetic mm. character within Alex Forrest yeah. and thinks that this ending that they changed due to test screenings I mean the original ending was very tough like the, so in the original ending you can watch on YouTube by the way it's on YouTube it's on YouTube so, really no, yeah, I've read, read the description yeah. but be prepared because it's really tough basically Alex slits her throat and it's like a really painful long take where she does that so it's very tough and then she basically tries to frame Dan for her murder Mm -hmm. I mean then like this the wife that saves him again like yeah great Mm -hmm. so basically that ending for however violent it was at least it gave us maybe more sympathy for Alex because to do this to yourself you must be very 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 sad Mm -hmm. or very crazy but both probably and so yeah I understand that she 
doesn't like the current ending where she's mm. like a mad woman who kind of is like a zombie as well like not to spoil it I don't know if well, no, people... it's been 30, 30 years <laughs> yeah now, exactly really. but like yeah she like um, is drowned in the bathtub by Dan and then suddenly she rises up again from the water as like a crazed <laughs> zombie like Jason yeah. Voorhees or something brandishing her knife <laughs> and then the wife Beth shows up and shoots her like ice cold mm-hmm. and then yeah. she walks away it's like she's so that, badass it's you know the original yeah. ending is so much better I think it fits in yeah. in line with the character better you know early on when um, Dan kind of is like no I will not I will not I will not be with you devil woman um, yeah. she kind of uh, slits her wrists as like a cry for help and I think the original ending fits way better with this right. kind of portrayal of a woman who's mm-hmm. like just on the brink and it's just mm-hmm. we'll do kind of whatever because yeah. she's so desperate but I also like the ending they kept because it makes it uh, even more of a critique of the family unit because I mm. think the, the very cause for Dan's infidelity is that he feels very emasculated by his wife like in the early scenes we see him like you know uh, hurt his toe on some toys in his house because there's toys everywhere because of their kid then his wife is like she has to give him his suit because she put her clothes everywhere mm-hmm. like, she, she, like he's like slowly like frustrated by his life and he feels so emasculated yeah. and that's why he's, he's, he cheats on her mm-hmm. but then yeah like the film ends with uh, the wife regaining control over him and he's like a dog with his tail between his legs not, not to make a double entendre but like yeah and then it ends with this really slow zoom in on the family picture yeah. mm-hmm. where everybody's smiling but it's so dark like it's so scary and the music is dark and, and it's like happy ending I guess like the family unit looks kind of dangerous especially because I feel like it's a reaction to feminism at the time that's really problematic but it's kind of saying that now that women work they are kind of the breadwinners. And now that they are the breadwinners, it's like the family sucks because the guy has no power. Either that or it's saying that men need to mm-hmm. deal with it and accept that because it's not like it used to be. Like you can't cheat on your wife because you feel like a little less powerful because there's more fairness. Hmm. I think it's so complex. That's very interesting, actually, because I saw that ending more as the reassertion of the family unit as the norm. Right. But the, it's so scary, though. It, it's interesting. You know? Maybe I should go back and rewatch <laughs> it with the sound turned up to let the score really maybe, uh, maybe. terrify me. But I will say that I, the kid in that movie has a terrible haircut. Like, <laughs> a really bad. This movie's got great yeah. hair in it. Like, Glenn Close obviously got great hair. And she got Medusa hair. Then the poor child just had this awful yeah. haircut. And the yeah. child's really, like, this is a bad a bad mm. child performance it's not great just so like, the iconic bunny boy was seen oh I love it so much <laughs> the kid is just like screaming and I was like oh my god child <laughs> just oh I when, can't she, when she a... kidnaps the kid you're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair yeah. Yeah. it's not much too. of a kidnapping though they just go and get ice cream right yeah, yeah. Because, because what she really wants is to have a family as well it's free childcare they should have taken <laughs> Um, but yeah, the phrase that's what bunny mistresses are for. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> in the that's 80s, another maybe. conversation. Uh, but yeah, the phrase "bunny boiler"—that's the iconic thing, right? Yeah. From yeah. The film, or the shot of the, the the boiling pan on the stove. Um, mm. That reminded me. There's, I mean, there are a million and one references to this film. It reminded me of Spaced, um, <laughs> Edgar Wright series that is actually 20 years old this month, I believe, since it was first aired. Wow. Makes yeah, because uh, nice *Fatal Attraction* is 30 years old. Yeah, um, and. They have a reference to it there. But this term bunny boiler, which we've, we've got a note here, was appeared in print in December 1990 in the Dallas Morning News, inspired by uh-huh, the character of Alex uh-huh. Forrest. It was sort of used as almost a catch-all term for any 
crazy woman, mm. you know, or, like a vengeful, yeah, a woman who's like people really ven- took avenging her. herself because she's been spurned by her lover, and she's like mad at him. Yeah. But it almost became almost a, a synonym for hysterical, all of these, mm. these yeah. sort of gendered terms to kind of yeah, you know, it's uh, really it's really misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it became something of a defining role for Glenn Close. Uh, mm. Do we think that's representative of her career? Do we think that uh, she did better elsewhere? Should she be remembered <laughs> for other films instead? I think that's. I think Dangerous Liaison is more like it. Like yeah. in in Dangerous Liaison, she gets to be this, but also the wife. You know what I mean? Uh, like she gets right. to be more normal and also very hysterical in some moments. Mm-hmm. But but that's definitely like top three, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the, she's so beautiful in that, oh my god, as well. She has such amazing outfits and she rocks them all. <laughs> I really, uh, I like the scene a lot where she's sitting in the dark and oh, yeah. listening oh, to yeah. the aria from Madame Butterfly, which again, like, there, there's so much foreshadowing in this movie. It's kind mm-hmm. of like you've been hit over the head with like foreshadowing. foreshadowing. <laughs> and she bonds with Dan over Madame Butterfly, which is a very beautiful opera. And there's this scene where she's sitting in the dark and she wanted to go to the opera with Dan to watch Man and Butterfly. But he was like, no, no, I can't. So she sat listening to the arias, like turning the lamp on and off, which again has been parodied like so much. Yeah. And it's kind of intercut with like him at, like having a happy time with his family. Mm. And she's really good in this scene. And this is the kind of, I think yeah. this is a much better indication of the movie than the bunny boiler scene. Like mm-hmm. the kind of like, the way he's hurt her. And I think that comes across more in yeah. that scene. It's such a wet blanket, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) You do not just, you know, get rid of Glenn Close. (laughs) (laughs) She's not going to be ignored. Exactly. (laughs) Do we have any final tweets to sum up? We we have a great. Again, Kevin sent us a really good email, which is just kind of full of like great tidbits. Mm -hmm. But he does mention that Bunny Boiler won the Irish Grand National in 2002 not a, a horse, not a literal one a horse <laughs> called Bunny Boiler won the Grand National and um, earned him and some friends some serious cash so oh. there we go congratulations Kevin <laughs> belated so so it was the second highest grossing film at the US box office in 1987 any guesses what the first one was this is more um, of my favourite uh, you know, top of the box office you will never guess it oh my god it is Three Men and a Baby oh, oh my yes god. I knew that the so all time classic directed by Leonard Nimoy <laughs> Um, and this is a bit, a bit. Of, this is a good thing, sort of pub quiz trivia bit. So the connection between Fatal Attraction and Three Men and a Baby. Leonard Nimoy directed Three Men and a Baby. His previous one before that was Star Trek: Five of the Voyage Home, written by Nicholas Meyer, who did script doctoring on Fatal Attraction. Small oh, wow. yeah, so so all there. So Star Trek can be linked to every film in the 80s, <laughs> I think. But- I like that Fatal Attraction was turned down by literally like every hot mm-hmm. director mm. at the time before they got someone. Including John um, Carpenter, what would he have John done? John Carpenter's oh, yeah. Fatal Attraction would have been amazing. <laughs> it would have been so good. He gave a very good excuse for not wanting to do it as well. I think he said it was unbelievable or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean... When John Carpenter says, well, this is just a step too far. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind like cars that come to life in Christine, <laughs> but this, I'm sorry. No, women are not like that. Fair enough. Terrific fatal attraction. Let us know what you think about that film or any of the films we've talked about at uh, the usual channels, Truth and Movies at tcolondon.com, the comment section on ldwlies.com slash podcast, or on our new Twitter account, which is at Truth and Movies. So, do we have any other business, any little white lies business, Hannah, to talk about? We do. If you're in the vicinity of London this weekend, we are hosting a screening with our good pals at by NWR, which is Nicholas Winning Reference, um, new free streaming service for kind of obscure, weird movies. 
and we're kind of doing a launch event down at Moth Club in Hackney with deeper into film of a film called If Footmen Tie You, What Will Horses Do? If, oh, I, is I, that is that? I think that's what it is. Is that what? Yeah, that is what it's called. Okay. Which is a kind of obscure film from the seventies. Uh, it's free, so you can get tickets online at dice dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Jenkins will be down there giving a little intro to the film. So, yeah, IRL. IRL. A glimpse. Yeah. The and meet him and give Jenkins. your podcast feedback in person. Exactly. <laughs> Only if it's nice. Yeah, well. we don't we don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, in terms of new releases, we have Venom. Tom Hardy coming into the Spider-Man universe. We have A Star is Born. <laughs> Woohoo! Famously, Bradley Cooper in the director's chair. Famously not coming into the Spider-Man universe. Cause the, well, it's... <laughs> well, not coming into the Marvel what, universe. What, A Star is Born? No. In, <laughs> We're getting Yeah, Venom, Sony saying, yes, this is definitely a part of the Marvel universe. And they were like, no, it's not. <laughs> Let's see. It's funny. But A Star is Born. Oh, that's a universe on stuff. its own. Yeah. It's exactly, well, it's a whole oh, galaxy of stars in this own, yeah. So that's Bradley Cooper in the director's chair and starring alongside Lady Gaga, a remake of a remake of a remake. <laughs> Which, did we see that? In oh, yeah. I oh, saw yeah. That big, in big time. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. We that's saw it, we sang it. Yeah. We stand it. <laughs> we'll see how that goes down next week. And Film Club next week, because of the Venom connection, we're going to a, a deep dive, a deep cuts from the 90s superhero movie genre. It's Spawn, perhaps <laughs> not one that's well remembered, uh, but a big deal at the time, one worth revisiting. Who are you? <laughs> What's the matter, Jason? You don't recognize your own handiwork. You left me to die in that biochemical plant. Remember? <laughs> You sent me to hell, Jason. I'm here to return the favor. Let us know what you think about that one via the usual channels. It just leaves me now to say thank you to Hannah. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Manuela, for coming along as well. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Um, I've been Michael Leader. I'm taking a few weeks off. I'll see you uh, later in the year. As always, this has been a 7 Digital production. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.